Welcome to Grace in Public, preaching and teaching in the heartland and all around the world. And now we'll go straight to our main message. I want to speak on this chapter tonight, not in its prophetic sense, and not in its spiritual sense pertaining to the second coming of Jesus Christ or the perfecting of the saints, but in a very practical sense. And charity, as it's mentioned in this 13th chapter, takes every believer into a realm where he becomes a man. Now the Word of God says that when I was a child, I spake as a child, and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. In 1 John 4.8, God is love. In 1 John 4.16, God is love. God is charity. And in Romans 5.5, 5, God sheds charity abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given unto us. And if we were to interview men of God tonight that were really included in the hero of faith in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, we would see written over every single hero of faith these words. God is love and the love didn't fail. That's what would be written over each word. For God so loved the world that he sent Jesus Christ into it to die for us. And that's how he loved the world. And that's how much he cared for each one. Now then, when the word of God comes clearly about a subject, A person has the opportunity to grow in the substance of the revelation. Three words in this chapter that summarize it beautifully. And those words are charity never fails. First, when a believer accepts Christ as his personal savior, he does so by grace and through faith and not of himself. The Holy Spirit seals him until the day of redemption in Ephesians 4.30. That is the redemption of his body in Romans 8.23. To begin with, God does all the work and salvation is of Christ. As it says three times in the word of God. And God does the saving by grace. And he comes in and seals every heart that he saves with his charity toward the sinner. With his charity coming in in the person of his spirit and sealing his redemption toward the sinner. And then he says this, I will never, no, never forsake thee. Never will I forsake thee. In Hebrews 13, 5. I will go with you to the very end of the world in Matthew 28:20. My little children, I write unto you that you sin not. But if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous one, who is a mercy seat for our sins. That's how the revelation of charity comes. I seal you forever 
I'll never forsake you. I'll go with you to the end of the world. The Holy Spirit will never depart as it did Saul in John 14. This is all part of the operation of charity. Think of it. Throw away denominational boundaries. Throw away individual interpretations of doctrines. Throw away the immaturity of childish talk, the immaturity of childish Christianity. Bring it into manhood. And when you do, you're bringing it into one word, charity. Charity makes a child a man. And charity makes a man like God. And so the scriptures beautifully teach that though Abraham will fail God in a wretched way, and yet over Abraham's name will be charity never faileth. Will be these words, you didn't choose me, but I chose you, Abraham, and ordained you that you would bring forth fruit. In John fifteen sixteen. You'll have your Isaac. And the reason you will is because my love will never fail. But more than that, you'll have your Ishmael, the wild man. But my love will never fail Ishmael. My charity will never fail him. And though he's a wild man, he'll be protected and blessed without you and I tonight being able to understand why God would do it. And not only that, your nephew Lot, who choose Sodom and Gomorrah, who be in Sodom and Gomorrah and having to be rescued, your nephew Lot who will practice incest with his daughters, your nephew Lot who will get drunk, your nephew Lot who will be the father of the Moabites and the Amorites through incest. He deserves hell. He's a wicked man. And his sin has followed two different nations and they've lived under a curse because of his sin. He devised evil imaginations and he went against God. And yet, charity has never failed Lot. And in the New Testament in 2 Peter 2.7, he is called righteous Lot, despite Genesis 19.35 and 36. You can't describe why Lot has escaped judgment in terms of eternity unless you understand that God is love and redemption comes by grace and salvation is of God and charity never fails. It's one thing tonight to understand that charity never failed the deceitful heart of Jacob. But neither did it ever fail Esau, who was protected by God against all nations and all the tribes. It didn't fail Esau either. The charity of God never failed the elder brother, but thank God it did not fail the prodigal son. The charity of God never failed Peter, 
are the apostles who forsook Christ. And so Jesus Christ, for these many years since he ascended up into heaven, and sent the Holy Spirit to the 120 in the upper room in Acts 2, has tried to write across the heartstrings of humanity and the human souls of men the simple Sunday school lesson that a child is taught diligently. God is love, and charity doesn't fail. But when you get along in the Christian faith and you falter and fail, and you sin against God, and you enter into the regret and sorrow of sin, then you begin to know what the Sunday school lesson was all about. When you see your tongue critical after it's been taught to speak edifying words. When you use divisive means instead of means to build up. When you've been disloyal instead of practiced unity. When you've gone down and been unfaithful to a partner and done wrong and sinned. And then written over your heart as you rebound and come back to God through Jesus Christ are these words. God is love. And he didn't fail you. He didn't fail you. He didn't forsake you. He didn't leave you. Because he sealed you. He didn't seal you until you made it. He sealed you until you were taken up to go home to be with him. He didn't seal you for a limited time until perhaps you committed a great sin. He sealed you right through your sin. That's what the scriptures teach. He didn't seal you because you do well. He sealed you even when you wouldn't do well. And though we may grieve him and quench him and lose our fellowship with him, his sealing according to the scriptures is unto the day of redemption. And if we could read in the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews the divine meaning and the divine import behind this amazing chapter of the heroes of faith. And if we could look each one of those men of God into the history of their lives, whether it be Samson or Rahab, whoever it might be, there's only one conclusion that we could make. Is they are there as heroes of faith because charity never failed them. And that helps me to understand tonight in a much deeper meaning that if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful because he cannot deny himself. In 2 Timothy 2.13 Or it helps us to understand let God be true and every man a liar and that our unbelief can make the word of God of none effect. Romans 3.3 3. You could take our lives tonight and put them on the divine microscope of God's eternal omnipresent truth and take every detail of our life the failures, the sins, the reactions, the impatience, the insecurity. We could take it all tonight and wrap it up in a photographic manifestation of truth to the visionary senses of men. And over every single redeemed and born-again child of God would weep. As they saw their failures multiplied 
in the screen before their eyes, they would really get to know who God is. God is love. God is redemption. God is forgiveness. God is cleansing. God is grace. And God is mercy. The little saying that God is good goes so, for, so far beyond our comprehension. Indeed, we could not even begin to live or breathe if we understood the love that followed the Ishmael as well as the Isaac, the Esau as well as the Jacob, the Lot as well as the Abraham that followed us as well as men of God of old. Charity never fails. For this reason, Romans 5.5 becomes such a beautiful and special verse. He sheds abroad his love in our hearts. And in Ephesians, the third chapter, that we might be filled with all the fullness of his love and of his person and have the love that passes knowledge. God is trying to do a new thing in America and the world of Christianity tonight. And it's not to revive people with the gifts of the Spirit, even though he may very well do that and does it well. But that's not what it is. It's to bring people back to a personal vertical with the Word of God, a personal relationship with who God is, and to seal mankind with who God is so that he can share the purpose and reason that Jesus Christ came to love people. He said, I didn't come to condemn. I didn't come to judge. I came to save. I came to reveal charity. It's never been known before. It will never be understood in your sacrifices upon your human conscience. You'll never realize it in all your religious meetings with your emotional ups and your emotional downs. You'll never be able to experience it in human relationships apart from divine impartation. You'll never be able to realize its values, its depths, its permanence, its eternity, outside of an eternal humility to accept it through the availability of response. Charity will never fail. So God is simply saying this. You close your doors to love, you're closing your doors to God. You close your doors to love, and you're closing your doors for God to reveal his love. You withdraw because of self-pity, and you miss why love came. You remain guilty instead of accepting forgiveness, and you remiss the very beautiful portion of love's atoning power to buy you back. So charity comes on the scene, and it says, listen, you can't understand this to start disciples in Luke 17. They said, increase our faith. And Jesus said, I say unto you, if anybody fails seven times in a single day and turns and asks forgiveness, forgive him. And Peter immediately said, you've got to increase our faith. He didn't understand the nature of charity, the nature of God, the nature of grace. It would forgive seven times in a day for the same sin if a person asked for it. That's what charity would do. So charity never imputes sin. It never imputes 
unrighteousness to the believer. Charity never requires a penalty, only desires a person to come into a relationship to enjoy the gift. Charity's chastisement is so I'll understand its beauty and experience its meaning and relate in its heartbeat. Charity never sends anybody to hell that accepts Christ, even though they be a thief on the cross, even though they be a Lot or a Saul or a Solomon or a Samson, because it will not fail them because of Christ. Charity looks you in the eyes and says, Listen, put away your childish things, your childish emotions, your childish attitudes and your childish thoughts. You'll never become a man until you experience the charity of God's love for man and allow that love to be shed abroad in your human soul to make you a man of God because charity never fails. So follow it. Would you bow your heads? Thank you for tuning in. If you can, don't forget to send a tax-deductible gift to us. Your generous donation made to our program promotes this broadcast and ones like it going out on the Internet and broadcast on local stations throughout the United States. So please prayerfully consider what you can give. Find out how to give your donation at www.graceandpublic.com. Second Peter, chapter 1, starting in verse 2. And we're going to go through these verses. Really, it's amazing, the love of God. It's grace and peace, though. It starts out in verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him, that hath called us to glory and virtue. Yes. And grace and peace is multiplied unto us. You know, the love of God never fails. And there's a way in our Christian walk that we never need to fall. The love never fails and we never need to fall. There's a life we can live in. And it's described in this chapter. He's called us to glory to the revealing of God's character and nature and virtue the working out of that spiritual character and nature in power from us. And some of those dictionaries out there will describe it as this moral excellence. But really, it has nothing to do with morality. Virtue went out of Christ when the woman touched the hem of his garment. It's a certain power. It's the person of who he is. It's compassion that would reach out to someone who's operating in faith out of love. In verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And when we understand what the Bible says about us, there are promises given, and we mix faith with those promises, and we are partakers of the divine nature. Now, does it happen because we mix faith? Yes, yeah, there's there's a real mechanism there. It's because it's Something has already happened. It's already happened at the moment of our salvation. It's already happened in the mind of God. That we've been made virtuous. 
And when we mix faith with the promises of God, when we operate in the grace of God, when we realize grace is multiplied unto us, we're not sin conscious, but we're God conscious. We realize that he's for us and he's given us amazing things and we discover them in the scriptures. We escape. We escape the corruption. We escape the corruption that is in the world through lust because we are no longer operating our old man. The soul has been separated from the spirit and the spirit is free to operate and act upon the soul and the body. The Holy Spirit, our human spirit, quickened, made alive, and functioning in life, not hindered by old patterns, but instead walking in newness of life. It says, and besides this, giving all diligence, adding to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge. I love that. Adding to your faith virtue. Now, what is that? Is that some sort of work? that we do? Giving all diligence. No, the, the, the work that we do, <laughs> if this is a work, is we add to our faith virtue. And that is in a real way saying, I have been made virtuous. That I am, I am mixing faith, and I'm not walking by sight. I'm not walking by my, what I see. I'm not judging by my past. I'm believing in what the scripture says about me, that I'm a new creature in Christ, that I'm accepted in the beloved, that I'm born again of the incorruptible seed of the word of God. And so I am adding virtue. I am deciding I'm going to operate in love. I am deciding I'm going to turn to Christ and fix my eyes upon the author and finisher of my faith. And what happens when I see him and get a glimpse of the person of God is I have virtue. It's in me. It's added to me. When I mix faith with the precious promises, like it says in verse 3, then I'm adding virtue, and to virtue, knowledge. And I love this. That when I mix faith with the Word of God about what the Word of God says about me or a given situation, words that come from the pulpit, and I believe them, and there's truth there, and I am operating in the new person that God's made me to be, That light I receive, he gives me more light. And I have knowledge, I begin to learn. I am spirit taught. That knowledge is added when I believe my position. When I I hear the scriptures then while I'm walking in the spirit in newness of life, knowledge is added unto me, unto us. And to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience. Yes. Temperance. That's interesting. Now that knowledge, I I put it into application. Now you could say that loosely temperance there would be translated self-discipline. Really, it's true. And I, I hear truth from the Word of God. But then situations come directly after church, early that next week, as I'm meditating on the Word of God, I hear a message on forgiveness. And someone wrongs me. Someone at work speaks badly about me. Someone cuts me off on the highway. And now I have great opportunity. There it is. There's an opportunity to apply the message, to apply the doctrine, to apply that knowledge. I then function in it. What happens when not only do I believe the message, but then I act as though I believe the message? There's that discipline, that temperance, that self-discipline of saying, 
yes, I will forgive in this situation. I not only agree about what you say about forgiveness, I have decided that in my circumstances, I will apply the doctrine. And it becomes real in my life. There's a, not only is it something I believe in my heart, but it's seen by the world. It's seen by my, we see ourselves acting in faith and in truth. And there's something reinforced within us. And there, and that person or those people in those circumstances that see us operating this way, Christ is revealed to temperance patience. <laughs> patience. That in each circumstance, now it may take some time. Now this is where the patience comes in. I operate by faith in enforced discipline to apply the word of God. And then genuine discipline is built in my life. And what happens then, godliness? <laughs> to patience, godliness. And really the character is in there. Really, really godliness with contentment is great gain. Now we're not only walking by faith, applying these things, but we, those old lines have gone away. They've been covered over, and now there are new lines of truth and of doctrine in my life. And there's a character that's built and seen over time. Not because I'm working at it, but because I'm believing. Because I'm operating and believing, and grace is multiplied unto me. Grace and peace is multiplied in this process. As soon as I'm conscious of sin, putting myself under the law, I, I fall away from this process. I'm moving again in performance. When God would have, have it that I operate in grace and that I would, then there's tremendous provision given into us when we operate in the grace of God to function this way. And then it says in verse seven, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. Now, I really have love shed abroad in my heart. Now I can really function in the love of God. That what Jesus would do in a situation we are doing, because we're led by the Spirit of God, sent by Christ to reveal himself. We become extensions of the life of God, and people, really, we can love people. We can love people with the same character that God loved people, not with the same capacity necessarily, but in the same character that God loves, we can love. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Christianity, walking as a believer, is not frustrating. It's not some frustrating task that I need to to walk in that I need to do, that I need this great, to muster up my willpower to be a Christian again today. But no, there's great provision given that I'm mixing my, my, my faith that God's given me with the Word of God and then suddenly I have capacity. Patience and godliness and kindness, charity, all flow. It's a flow. But he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins, because he's living in sin consciousness. He's living in the old man. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. Wow, what a great promise. If we're functioning in this life, this forward momentum of believing the scriptures, we will never stumble. It says there, we will not 
stumble, we will not fall. We will go forward by faith. And God will be lifting us up. God will be carrying us through. We'd love to hear from you, so please go to our website and contact us. The web address is www.graceinpublic.com So maybe today, maybe you don't know Christ. Maybe you fall again and again and again. Maybe you're so conscious of your failure and your sin. You've never received Christ as your Savior. Well, now's the time, my friend. There's a walk by faith. There's an upper highway that we can walk in where God, God keeps us. And even the fool doesn't easily err therein. (laughs) You can walk on that upper highway, but you need to be taken there. You're not going to find it yourself. The way to get there is through the person of Jesus Christ. Pray a prayer, something like this. Lord Jesus, here I am. Fill me with your love. My sins are so terrible, they would keep me from you. I believe that your work on the cross, your death, your burial, your resurrection, that you did those things for me, that I would have love in my heart, that I could walk in newness of life, that I could have a spiritual momentum and a heavenly destination. Lord, today I believe in you and ask you to transform my life. And I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed a prayer like that, contact us. We'd love to help you in this new, amazing life that God's given you. A life of momentum 